Hello, and thank you for joining us here on The Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my good friend, at Eric Delala. So good to be with you today. I'm excited for this podcast, uh, full of information and only information. You're not skipping a beat there. Like you're, you're already up with the new intro. You like it. Yeah. I mean, that's what, uh, that's what the people want apparently. So we'll just, we'll give it to them. Yeah. Good friend at Eric Delala. We have a great show in store for NZ nation here today. We're going to be talking about the state of the Broncos. We're still a couple of weeks out from the draft. So we figured, okay, free agency is starting to wind down. There's a couple of weeks to go before the draft, before we do our final draft prep. But maybe we talk about the state of the Broncos. The roster is pretty solid right now. Talking about some areas where the Broncos need to address in the draft and maybe how that lines up with the strengths and weaknesses in this 2021 draft. I love it, Phil. There are still some areas where the Broncos can improve, and the team isn't going to look drastically different in a few weeks, I don't think, but uh, could certainly get stronger. It's possible they do look drastically different, though, with that number nine pick, depending on what they want to do. You might be finding uh, some key contributors right away, but um, a lot of the starters are already locked into their positions. I agree with you there. Eric, yeah. the other thing we wanted to talk about was this week, uh, Aaron Rodgers, guest hosting Jeopardy, getting a lot of buzz about how how uh, well he's done in that role. It got me us thinking, okay, what current Broncos would be great guest hosts of Jeopardy? Yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has done a very nice job, Phil. Very impressive. He's got the he's got the uh, charisma that you need, kind of the gravitas. I think there's some Broncos that could do a nice job as well. Yeah. We'll talk about what, what needs to go into that, what the job sort of entails and why maybe there's a couple of Broncos who could do the job if, if called upon. <laughs> but of course, Eric, we like to start all of our shows off by uh, talking about some of our commenters, some of our fans, some of our haters, Eric. Uh, of course, right. we, start, we start on YouTube where you can, of course, watch this. If you're watching this on YouTube, why don't you go ahead and smash that subscribe button? Boop, 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 boop. Smash that subscribe button. Uh, Eric, let's start out here with um, uh, Chris Kim. He says, dude, Eric's voice cracked more than a 13-year-old going through puberty. Oh, my gosh. Did you just make that one up? No, that is a true. That is a true. Comment. Wow. I don't think that that's a very fair assessment. I know. That's kind of, I thought that was kind that of, uh, uh, I mean, I know that you pride yourself in your deep tones, wow. your baritone. Three likes. That's whoever <laughs> liked that. You're also, we don't like you either. <laughs> hey, sometimes honest feedback can go a lot further than, you know, just a nice comment, you know, so maybe, I don't know. Um, we got Robert Ruball. Ruball, I think that's how you say that. Uh, you two are freaking awesome. I like that. Nice comment. Uh, Christopher Kramer says, you guys are the best. Thank you. Uh, some of our usual fans here, Lisa Lane, Michael Pack, thank you for commenting. Appreciate it. Chris Campbell, great show, funny and informative. It would be cool to have an international football game on an aircraft carrier. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, maybe just off of the coast of India so that you could have what you wanted to. 
that uh, dates back to last week's episode where we were talking about international games and what would be the craziest, most fun location for an international game. Uh, you had a nice one. You said uh, the Coliseum, but I do believe somebody commented and said a football field would not fit on the co- inside the Coliseum. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Is that, have we fact checked that? I have not fact checked that. Okay. No. I'm, uh, uh, yeah, this is a Jussie, Jussieville Jacanian. An NFL field would not fit into the Coliseum. Sorry. Um, let's see here. Hammy goes ham says Eric doesn't deserve that intro. He doesn't appreciate my boy Phil. Oh <laughs> I, I do appreciate Phil. I do. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Mo everything says Phil is no nonsense. What do you think? It seems, I usually... you're just, it seems like you're picking out the ones that are very nice <laughs> to you. I'm pretty, I'm pretty goofy, I think. I don't know. Yeah. You know, that's what. Well, here's one. Dimitri Curis says snoring. And Todd Sharaginian says just Z's. Wow. And, and also uh, Mario Hernandez says straight trash guys. So <laughs> straight yeah, STR and then the number eight. Yeah. Straight trash guys. So. Yeah. But Ginger Ninja said this is the best Broncos podcast out there. And our friend uh, Eric Ramos said to keep the intro and that it's an integral part of the show. Uh, Eric Ramos is one of the first fans out there. Yes. An OG. That is true. That is true. Uh, uh, The intro is a source of great conflict. You know, the... It is. The listeners, the viewers split 50-50. So, you know... uh, it's kind of a, um, we need one of those scales, like the justice scales, you know, and then uh, maybe we can get an official vote here. But right now we're going with good friend at Eric Delala. Well, for now, that'll do. Eric, uh, there's other ways to get involved in the show than just YouTube comments. Uh, you could leave a voicemail at 707 Neutral. Leave a voicemail. We'll play it right here on the air. We like to do that. Maybe uh, for the next episode, we can have a call to action here. Leave a voicemail and tell us who you think the Broncos should take with the ninth pick. Leave a voicemail. We'll play it. Wow. How else can they get involved, Eric? I was going to say, they can also leave an email at neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. They can tweet at the podcast account, which is at Broncos podcast. Or Phil, I think they could even reach out to us directly if they wanted to. Yeah, at Eric Delilah with an A, at Phil Milani with a PH, non-traditional spellings there. So, um, hey, if you want to say that we're straight trash, you do that on Twitter, not on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, leave, you know, leave the YouTube for the nice comments. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Eric, with that, let's dive into our first topic here and where we're talking about the state of the Broncos this, t- this roster has come together really nicely, but I think the thing that most Broncos fans are wondering now is, okay, the defense was addressed during free agency for the most part. A, a lot of additions there, you know, bringing back Shelby Harris and Justin Simmons. Most people, I think, feel like the defense is pretty solid, um, maybe add some pieces in the draft. They feel like the offense was addressed in the previous year with a a lot of explosive weapons, but the biggest question mark still remains at the quarterback position. 
Yeah, I mean, most definitely. I think that that when I said there's not going to be any major changes, that's if they don't take a quarterback. Obviously, that represents a major change, and I think it's not overstating it to say the direction of the team, the direction of the franchise for several years will change if they take a quarterback at number nine. Um, or, you know, more than likely, they'd have to move up probably to get one of those guys. It's possible that a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance falls down a little bit, um, especially if Mac Jones goes at three to the 49ers. But to me, Phil, the Panthers trading for Sam Darnold kind of indicated maybe they don't think one of those top five guys will be there at eight, um, or they just weren't impressed with one of those five guys. But, yeah, Phil, I, I – uh, whichever you prefer, because I think there's two directions a team can go. One, obviously, is to put their faith in one of these prospects and draft them. The other is to kind of uh, to ride it out with Drew Locke, even if you get a veteran uh, to come in and to compete. I think there's a good chance we see Drew Locke start some games this year, and the franchise's direction could change pretty significantly based on how he plays this fall. Yeah, uh, you know, one of those prized guys uh, is seems like is not uh, an option really anymore. You know, of course, uh, Deshaun Watson dealing with a lot of uh, civil lawsuits uh, right now down in the Houston area. So I, I think that that all but kills any sort of trade talk there. I know there was some rumors about what Russell Wilson's availability might be like with the Seahawks. I would be really shocked at this point if something like that were to happen. So now I think, like you mentioned there, Eric, I think you're talking about bringing in a veteran either to back up Drew Locke or you're talking about drafting a quarterback. And right now it really does seem like uh, the value of the quarterback in this year's draft is sky high. I mean, it seems like you're going to have to make a trade with the Falcons at this point. It, it really does seem like that. So I, I'm not sure if that's worth it, though, Eric. I mean, they're going to be demanding a lot. You're talking about probably multiple first-round picks, uh, more, you know, second, third-round picks in addition to that. So, you know, I think that uh, that is asking a lot right now, especially for the fourth pick. I mean, you're talking about the fourth-best quarterback given up a lot. So uh, unless you're sold on one of these guys and you know for a fact that they'll be available at four just by doing your homework and understanding what, what some of these other teams are going to do for sure. That, that seems like a lot to me in order to trade up and and get the fourth best quarterback. I'll say two things here. One, if you pay attention to the the draft trade value chart, which is kind of uh, like accepted, um, you know, measurement of how you, yeah, of how you figure out a trade. The Broncos' ninth pick is worth 1,350 points, and the Falcons' pick is worth 1,800. So that's a difference of of 450. And if you look at the draft value chart, 450 is like a middle second-round pick. So I don't think, you know, if you were looking at this in in a vacuum, it wouldn't cost the same that it did for, uh, the Niners, for example, to go all the way up to number three, um, because the, the value obviously falls the farther down you go and to get to the fourth pick is not nearly as valuable as the first or second pick. Now, because teams will probably bid against one another because there's a quarterback involved, that value still goes up. And I, I think that there's a chance that maybe it costs a first this year and a first next year, or maybe a, a f- additional first and a third. But I don't think I don't think you're talking about being in the range of giving up three thirds for this pick or giving up two firsts and a second and a, and a third. You know, I think that that value 
um, may have made sense for the second pick or the third pick. And maybe that was too steep for the Broncos. We don't know if they offered, but obviously they didn't make the move. Um, and so to me, I, I think that this could be more affordable than maybe people think it wouldn't necessarily set you back. A trade, Phil, that I saw projected was give up the ninth pick and the 40th overall pick in exchange to get to four. Um, and there's two ways to look at that, Phil. You could look at that as, hey, that's given up uh, Cortland Sutton. You know, that's exactly where he was picked a few years ago. So you could say, is it worth giving up a first-round pick in Cortland Sutton for one of these quarterbacks? But you could also look at it as that's not far from where the Broncos picked Demarcus Walker a couple of years ago. And obviously that pick didn't pan out probably like they hoped. So these draft picks are always kind of a, uh, a coin flip to some degree. So I do think it's not prohibitive for them to go up. Um, I was going to say, I, I know that, that that chart is out there, but I think you could kind of throw that out at this point, just in terms of what the scenario is looking like for this year's class. I mean, there is going to be a team that's really high on Trey Lance that's willing to give up a, a lot of these picks if they think he's available or Justin Fields. I know that before we started recording here, I looked at a um, pro football focus. They had a hypothetical trade out there. They said the Broncos would give up this year's uh, first round, first round pick and a fourth round pick. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Broncos would give up this year's first round pick this year's second round pick this year's fifth round pick and next year's first. So you're talking about four picks, two first, a second and a fifth. And then in return, they would get the number four overall pick and a fourth round pick. That seems steep to me. If that's like what the price tag would be like, um, uh, if it would be that high two first, a second and a fifth in exchange for the number four overall pick this year and the fourth overall. So, well, I mean, it, it all depends where you finish. It's quite possible a fifth and a fourth end up being very close to each other, depending on how you finish. You'd like to think that if the Broncos got one of those guys, they would be able to, to play well. And maybe you're not giving up a, a top 10 pick next year. You're giving up it's, a pick. It's this year's fifth and, and this year's fourth swapping. The, the only thing would be next year's first round pick would be thrown in. So, yeah, if the Broncos played well, you know, then that would be a – uh, hopefully first would not be nearly first. as yeah no I, I agree that the uh to me if you find your franchise quarterback that way that's an okay trade to make I mean the the Chiefs I believe gave up a first when they I think they gave up a first when they went up to get Mahomes um I can check that but I mean obviously nobody remembers that and we've talked about that that when you make a trade that's successful you don't you're not worried about that sort of thing um I will say, Phil, just to jump up from where the uh, where the 49ers were to where they got to from 12 to uh, three, that was a, that's an a thousand point jump. And so that, you know, for what they gave up, that is pretty close to what this first round chart says, because mm -hmm. if you look at um, some of these pick evaluations for a late first round pick, which is probably how the Dolphins looked at the 49ers in the future that's in the 600 range so I don't think I think you're right that it's probably a little bit more and maybe a decent amount more than the draft pick chart but I think it's always a good place to start just to figure out what you might have to give up and I'll go back to one of your other points which was that you'd be getting the fourth best quarterback every team has different evaluations and so you know the fourth best quarterback in one team's eyes might be the second ranked quarterback 
or even the first ranked quarterback. I assume most teams have Trevor Lawrence as the first quarterback off their board, but you know, we might see that maybe the Broncos really like Justin Fields or really like Trey Lance um, and that one of those guys becomes available and they say, Hey, hey we're going to take Zach Wilson over those guys anyway. And so that to me is where, you know, if you just looked at the draft board from last year, Phil, you'd say Justin Herbert was the third best quarterback. Well, you know, it's possible the Chargers thought he was better than that. And after watching him for one year, it appears he's better than that. And so it, to, to me, as long as those guys are in the same class, kind of the same general category, um, if you think they can be the player, it doesn't necessarily matter to me if they're the second quarterback off the board, the third quarterback, the fourth. I, I saw somebody say, Phil, if Justin Fields falls to nine, that means he's not worth it. Aaron Rodgers fell to the mid-20s because once the teams were scared to pass on him, he was worth it. So and obviously there's a ton of examples of guys falling. So to me, you know, you got to be true to your own evaluation and your own board. If you think Justin Fields is the first or second or even third quarterback and, and you think that he's worth it, then then get him if he's there. Get Trey Lance if he's there or or make this trade if you think it's worth it. But I don't I wouldn't worry too much about, hey, this guy's the fourth quarterback off the board. That means he's the fourth best guy. I guess I mean uh, the fourth opportunity to pick a quarterback, not necessarily that he's going to eventually end up being the fourth best quarterback. Right. But if so. that's where, that's where, if you think, you know, maybe you don't make this trade till draft day, maybe if Mac Jones indeed is the pick to the 49ers and you're the Broncos and you say, Hey, Trey Lance and Justin Fields are both there at four and we're going to have the pick of those guys. Let's go up and get the one we want. Then um, that's a very different situation. So I just, I don't, know that how connected they are but yeah you you know if, if you thought that Trevor Lawrence was the best quarterback and you thought Zach Wilson was number two and you thought Trey Lance was number three and those three guys went off the board first and you didn't believe in Justin Fields or Mac Jones then it doesn't make much sense to go to four but if you believe in one of those guys it doesn't matter where you get them yeah you, and but um considering what you have to give up uh you better not miss I guess is what I'm saying is like if you're gonna make that and you're going to lose some of that draft capital because we know that uh, one of the reasons why they brought in a guy like George Payton is that he's an excellent evaluator of talent. He wants to draft and develop guys. You're, you're taking away uh, those opportunities to pick players by doing this. So of course that doesn't matter if you get your franchise guy. So if you hit, none of it matters. You just yeah. better not miss. Well, but I, I think in, if you're the Broncos, you've got to be a little bit more um, willing to take a chance because there are some divisions where, you know, say you're in the NFC East right now, mm. you know, you don't, you might not need an elite quarterback to win that division because the quality of the rest of the teams is not that high. If you're in the AFC West, you're going to need an elite guy to be able to compete with Patrick Mahomes year after year. And so you can't be afraid to go, take that shot if you think it's the guy. I mean, obviously, you don't want to miss. If you miss, people at some point probably don't stick around in their current roles. But um, you got to, you know, you're not going to find success anyway if you're afraid to to go after that guy, and whether it's Drew Locke or a veteran that the team acquires or if it's a, a draft pick. One way or another, the team has to sort out the quarterback position because if you look at the last five years, Phil, the constant has been the quarterback position has not been good enough. And you're not going to compete with a team like the Chiefs when it's not good enough. And so at some point it no longer becomes okay to say, Hey, if we can just, if we can just not turn the ball over, or if we can just be average, like that's enough that to me, that's when you look at drew lock, 
he has to turn he has to stop turning the ball over that's that's true that's fair but that's the bare minimum you know you you can't also just have him throw one touchdown a game and 200 yards like he's got to go out there and make plays and make big plays and have game after game where he's consistent if you want to challenge for the AFC West title yeah and it seems like those two things are almost counterintuitive where you're you're saying okay don't turn the ball over but you also got to go out there and make things happen and you got to create your own opportunities here there's like a fine line there so uh, I agree with you though you're going to have to put up points you're going to have to get in the high 20s you know as an average across the season I think th- those are all things that are are definitely true if you want to try and win this division um but, you know, Drew Locke advancing and getting better and working on his game and improving, uh, you know, these Broncos coaches who are inside the building, they know what he's capable of. And, uh, you know, maybe that's the, the route that they think is currently the best option, you know. So uh, uh, that is the quarterback position, though, in a nutshell right now for this Broncos team, because as we move on here and talk about the rest of the roster, Eric, let's just stick with the offensive side of the ball it seems like he's got a lot of playmakers around him. Yeah, and one more thing about Drew there, Phil, is that you you have to think about what happens if Drew does take that next step and what are the chances that's going to happen. Because if you firmly believe that, hey, there's an 80% chance that Drew's going to turn this thing around and he can be the guy we think he can be, then you don't want to waste a pick on a quarterback, obviously, because then you're going to be stuck at the end of next year where you can't afford to stop playing Drew Locke. And now you've got, you know, Trey Lance or Justin Fields on the bench, and th- then you're in an uncomfortable situation again. So just something to consider that we don't know what their evaluation of Drew is, but maybe there's maybe there's a level of, you know, if we can get a guy that's up here, you know, at the highest end of the quarterback position, we make that change. Otherwise, we take the chance that Drew can improve. And you're right, Phil, with the guys around him, um, every reason to believe that he should be better, even if, you know, even if they don't get the off-season workouts, just from added reps that they'll get from preseason, from hopefully a more normal training camp, this offense should be better. As I look at the roster, for like, I think there's probably three spots on offense where they could use more help. Um, one is the tight end position, which I don't think is super pressing. I think a late-round pick or a veteran can be added there just to help in the running game. I think right tackle is a position that they need to sort out, you know, can you trust Jawan James there? Or is it worth using a first round pick on a Panay Sewell or a Rashawn Slater or, or getting a guy later that can develop? But then Phil, I think the biggest question for me is at the running back position, you know, do they have enough there? Do they need to add a guy? Could, could they even trade back and take a, a Najee Harris or a Travis Etienne in the first round? Uh, because Melvin Gordon's got one year left on his deal. And I think they could use some, some more explosiveness at that position. So uh, just one last thing on the quarterback here. You don't think it would be good to have Drew Locke and Justin Fields? <laughs> well, you don't think- I think what I mean, what I uh, mean there is that if, if you like, say, say you decide Justin Fields is not ready to start the year, like hmm. back in 2016, for example, Paxton Lynch never really, and I know it's Paxton and he didn't pan out at all. So it's a little hard to make a comparison, but there are just quarterbacks that are not necessarily ready to start right away as rookies. Tua, for example. Um, Tyrod Taylor started over Justin Herbert and probably would have sat for longer. Say that Drew comes out and starts playing well and is the clear starter and that you don't want to, you know, say this team is uh, 
six and three or something when they go to their bye week and Drew is playing well. And you can't afford to put Justin Fields in because Drew's playing well. You got a winning record. You're on the way to the playoffs. And then at the end of the year, you've got to decide, well, hey, what do we do? Like, do we keep rolling with Drew? Do we go to Justin Fields or Trey Lance or whoever it is? That all I'm saying is if you if you get a quarterback, you've got to, you know, you've got to be committed to going to them. And if Drew plays That's well, exactly obviously right. that kind of ruins everybody's plan. That's almost a, an exact situation the Broncos were in when they had Jake Plummer and then they drafted Jake Cutler. Jake Plummer started the season. They were doing well late in the season. They made the switch to Jake Cutler and it was very uncomfortable. I think that that's what you're talking about here. If you draft a guy and move up and take a pick with the fourth overall, that guy's got to play and that guy's got to be your guy and you're committed to that guy. I think that signifies the end of the Drew Locke era if that happens. So right. and I don't it, you think know, for, they would run into a situation where they would play Drew Locke. I mean, that would seem that would be that would be an uncomfortable situation. Right. And in, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but obviously that it didn't go so well in 26 or in 2006, they missed the playoffs, correct? Yeah. I think they missed the playoffs that season. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, who knows what happens if Jake Plummer stays there, obviously he had some games that were rough um, that kind of led to that situation, but um, it just would be like a Ryan Fitzpatrick to a Tagai Vailoa situation is a little bit different because Fitzpatrick is a career backup. He, he was never brought there with the intention of being a long-term starter you're still like right on the edge where you think maybe Drew could be that guy still. And so if he, you know, were to come out on fire and start playing really well, um, it just makes, it would just be, like you said, an awkward situation. Um, not sure how they would handle that. I almost wonder, Phil, if you take a guy like Justin Fields or Trey Lance um, and Trey Lance, it may be a little different because I think he needs a little more time to develop, but say you take Justin Fields. You're looking at both training. Is it yeah? Is it worth to, is it worth it to move Drew Lock and get something in return? And I, I think definitely. you'd have to strongly consider that. Most definitely, you wouldn't want that situation there. I mean, even when Patrick Mahomes was picked, the Chiefs knew what Alex Smith was. They knew exactly yes. what what he was all about. So there wasn't even that uncomfortableness there. Whereas Drew, right now, feels like okay, I can take this next step, and I'm going to get this team to where they need to be. If you draft a quarterback. I think you got to stop that and you got to, you got to bring in somebody to help groom the pick, you know? So. Yeah. And you know, in that case, Alex Smith was nothing but great to Patrick Mahomes. Everything we've heard is that he helped him from the very beginning, but he was a veteran at that point. I don't think mm -hmm. it's fair to expect Drew in that situation to like take on a mentoring role. I mean, they would be no. if Drew stayed in that situation. They would be in an intense competition. And so I just don't know if you want it. It would also be difficult for the locker room, Phil, because you've got a lot of guys who are devoted to Drew Locke, who really support him, who think he can be the guy. If you were to then bring in somebody else and then say, hey, you know, say Cortland Sutton after every training camp practice is asked, who do you want to start? Who looked better days? Is it Drew? Is it this guy? I mean, that puts teammates in a bad position. Yeah. And plus, if you take a pick that high, you just want his growth to begin immediately, in my mind. I mean, I think that we've seen that the last couple of years around the league too, where you take a high draft pick, you just let them go through their their uh, lumps there at the beginning, and then hopefully you come out the other end a little bit better. So yeah. uh, 
I think that uh, uh, if they made that move to take one of these top quarterbacks, I think that they would also be looking to move Drew Locke too. But uh, looking at the other, the rest of the offense, I agree with you, Eric. I think that uh, some people have uh, the Broncos uh, mock to take a guy like Panay Sewell, uh, the tackle from Oregon. Uh, that would be interesting because he plays left tackle and then you're asking him to move to the other side. But you would think that um, a move like that would be doable I think that uh, when you look at this offensive line, the rest of the line looks pretty solid in terms of the starters there. You could look to add maybe some uh, tackle depth, you know, uh, with, um, you know, it seems like Elijah Wilkinson has moved on now and uh, not sure what's happening with DeMar Dotson here. So you might need some depth there. And I I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos look to do something at at some point, whether or not that's a... a, a player like Sewell who would be transformative um, or if they just feel like they just need a little bit of backup depth help there, definitely some sort of offensive line help uh, for sure in the draft. And, and if you get a guy like Sewell, Phil, I think, you know, we talked about last year, how you'd have a pretty good evaluation of Drew Locke. If you were to get a guy like Sewell and now you've got a really good offensive line, you've got Corlin Sutton and year two of Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and, and Tim Patrick, who has a lot more experience and Melvin Gordon and Noah Fant in year two of Albert O. I mean, at that point, you've got as good of an evaluation of Drew Locke as you could possibly get. And he might take a step forward. He might take a, a huge step forward. He might take a step forward that you're, you know, you're pleased that he's gotten better, but it's still not enough. Or he might just, he might look exactly the same as he did last year. But in any case, you would get a really good evaluation of just him because everything would be, in place around him and you wouldn't be able to say, Hey, well, if he had better receiver, you know, like with Sam Darnold right now, the conversation is if he had better receivers, if he had a better offensive line, if he had, a, you know, if the running backs did more, um, Drew, you wouldn't have to say any of those things with Drew. You would have a very good evaluation of him and, and maybe that's worth it to George Payton, who to me, Phil has taken a very patient approach for the most, most part. He hasn't done anything that's rash. If, if you make that decision to say, hey, let's just see what happens with one more year at Drew, um, you would get a good evaluation. Of course, the thing you don't want to happen, Phil, is to go seven and 10 or eight and nine and be stuck in no man's land where you're then unable to get the quarterback. I mean, in the NFL, as we know, it's better to be really bad than it is to be somewhat bad. Yeah, and I, just the way the team is constructed, unless there's a, a lot of injuries, I don't really see really bad in the future. You know, I think that the the odds of them being really good versus really bad, I would say good is more likely than really bad. That's what I would say. But uh, one of the um, things that you have to weigh, though, with the offensive linemen is that this year's class is supposed to be pretty deep at that position. So um, if you didn't want to take a top top guy like Sewell or Slater, then um, it would make sense to uh, wait a little bit just because the depth is, is really strong in this year's uh, offensive tackle group. Uh, yeah. The opposite side of that, though, is the running back position where there's not supposed to be a lot of talent outside of the, the top, top guys. You're talking about Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, Javante Williams, Michael Carter, um, there seems to be that group that's like the top and then there's a a major drop off. So. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the run, if the, at the tackle position, Phil, uh, Dean Brugler from the athletic, he does like this big draft guide 
every year that you know you just you read it from start to finish. There's 26 offensive tackles, so not just offensive linemen, but 26 offensive tackles with draftable grades, including 16 that he says are worth drafting in the first four rounds. When you look at the running back position, he has 20 guys with draftable grades, but only nine of those have have fourth round or higher grades. Um, and really, he only has two guys with first round grades, only four with second round grades. So, you know, the, like you said, Phil, the, the drop off is, is pretty steep there. And you might need to get a guy in the third or fourth round if you or by then if you want some sort of an impact player. And you might be listening, being like, why do they need to draft a guy when they just let Philip Lindsay go? But obviously, uh, if you draft somebody in the first round, uh, if you move trade back a little bit and then take a, a running back in the first round or in the, in the early second round, you're talking about an upgrade there, uh, in my mind, and also somebody who's much cheaper and younger. So uh, that well, would be the argument there. Yeah, and uh, under contract for longer. You know, Philip Lindsay was yeah. going to be under contract for one more year. Melvin Gordon is under contract for one more year. Even if you say you draft Javante Williams in the second round from North Carolina, got four years of Javante Williams on a really reasonable uh, salary. And even though the Broncos are a young team right now and have a lot of good players on rookie deals, you've seen Justin Simmons get signed. Cortland Sutton's going to be up for a new deal after this year. Got some other guys that are coming up as well. I mean, they're going to have to start paying some people, which is a good problem to have. It means you've been drafted well, but uh, certainly getting younger and cheaper is never a bad thing. Uh, and then uh, the last position, I don't think they need to address wide receiver. I mean, that room is already stacked. So I don't see that uh, in the cards, even though this wide receiver class, you thought last year was good. This year is really good too. Um, but I don't think that the Broncos need to do that, but uh, some sort of a tight end. I think um, you obviously have Noah Fant and Albert O right, right there, one and two, but uh, somebody who can bring a different element, the, the blocking, I think that uh, that uh, would make sense to address that at some point in the draft. Yeah. I think with Andrew Beck too, you know, you've got somebody that you believe in to some degree. I, I wouldn't be opposed Phil to just waiting and signing a couple of, like college free agents and just seeing who can make an impact there as a blocking tight end. I mean, if you can find a day three pick, that's great. But I, I just think that you can find other solutions there. And so I wouldn't necessarily waste like high draft capital on the tight end position. Yeah. And uh, uh, that is assuming that Albert O's recovery from an ACL injury is going well and they would know uh, the details about that. So uh, it is possible. Maybe they're like, oh, he's not going to be ready to go to start the season. We're going to need more help at that position too. So um, that that is an area I think that they do need to address before the start of the season. Flipping to the other side of the ball, Eric, what do you think about this defense? In terms of just the starters, pretty solid everywhere except um, – Maybe if they wanted to upgrade middle linebacker, that's an area where some people have mocked like a guy like Micah Parsons who would uh, just take the defense even to another level here. But certainly uh, some very capable veterans and Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson already there. Yeah, I mean, I think most of the moves you would make on the defensive side of the ball are looking forward. So if it's a defensive lineman, you know, to – kind of just have more depth there as Mike Purcell and Shelby Harris get older. If it's an outside linebacker in case Von Miller's decides not to re-sign with the Broncos, 
and he's gone after this year. Like you mentioned, that inside linebacker Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson will both be unrestricted free agents after this year. At cornerback, Bryce Callahan, Kyle Fuller are both unrestricted free agents after this year. Kareem Jackson at safety. So it's not necessarily – there's no immediate need anywhere, um, even though I do think you could maybe get a boost at inside linebacker. But I think any of those spots, maybe prioritizing defensive line a little bit less, but corner, safety, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, uh, you could convince me that any one of those picks is worth, you know, maybe the ninth overall pick, but certainly trading down a little bit. You know, if you were to trade down and get like a Jameen Davis from Kentucky, he's a guy that's been rising up the board like crazy, an off-the-ball coverage linebacker. Um, there's been some talk that Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa from Notre Dame could fall a little bit. Maybe he falls down into the second round and you get him. You know, maybe you have to move up a little bit from 40, but uh, maybe you're able to get him on day two. Uh, if you look at some edge rushers, you know, Gregory Rousseau is kind of considered the top guy there uh, from Miami. Um, but there's some other guys at that position with intriguing talent as well. Uh, at cornerback, obviously, we know, you know, the J.C. Horns of the world and the Patrick Sertans of the world. Um, but maybe you you slide down and get a, a Greg Newsom or, or somebody along those lines. Georgia's got a couple of good cornerbacks. So lots of really good options, Phil, I think. But none of them are – I don't look at it the same way I look at the offense where I think this needs to be fixed now. I think one or two or even three of those could be left till next year. It just might, um, you might have to make some more difficult decisions next year. And this could give you a little bit more flexibility by taking care of it now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess it just depends on whether or not they feel like they need to add some depth in, in some areas in case of injury. Broncos fans certainly know that there's a lot of injuries uh, particularly on that side of the ball that happened last season. So uh, I, I could still see them taking like a Patrick Sertain with that ninth overall pick. That is possible just in terms of thinking down the line and saying, okay, uh, what we have now is just very short-term. Let's try to address that long-term, like you mentioned there, Eric. Or on the flip side of that, they would they could say, look, we think this defense has a chance to be really good if we plug in a guy like Micah Parsons who can just – take away the center of the field. Let's just put, let's take this guy and make sure our defense is really, really strong. So I think you do have some flexibility there, but in terms of just looking at the different positions, you know, like the safety starters are great. Maybe you at some point want to add a little bit of depth at safety, um, especially maybe a guy who could play special teams right away. Same with cornerback. If you don't end up getting one of the top guys, maybe you add some depth there. And then the interior of the defensive line, not strong in this year's draft. I think there's only one guy who, who might go in the first round. Um, I think that would be the first time there was only one interior defensive lineman taken in the first round since like 1998 or something. So uh, uh, not a strong class in terms of the top end talent there. So uh, I, I'd be surprised if they addressed that position, but everywhere else seems to be pretty short up uh, uh, in terms of the starting units. Yeah, and, you know, edge rusher is one of those positions that I think is, is is interesting. Maybe you find a guy, maybe that makes the most sense just because, it. you know, I think maybe there's a higher chance that they, like, resign Kyle Fuller or Bryce Callahan at the end of the year and say one of those two guys can keep going um, as opposed to you just don't know what's going to happen with Vaughn Miller. Um, obviously, Bradley Chubb, you've got to decide on his option here after the draft. 
But there, there's some talent there with a Jalen Phillips, a Quiddy Pay from Michigan, Jason Oa from Penn State. I mean, to me, there's there's not like that elite edge rusher that could go top five or top two the way that obviously Vaughn was back in 2011, the way Bradley was in 2018. Um, but there are some good quality players there that you could add and really shore up that position. I think you'd feel really good about a room that had Vaughn, Bradley Chubb, Malik Reed, and any of those guys, you know, because right now you have, you do have to find somebody else to be that fourth guy, whether it's Derek Tuska, who was drafted last year, kind of developing into that role or, or signing somebody else. But that's kind of an, an unknown. And based on, you know, the injury history of Vaughn and Bradley, I do think you have to expect that you, at the very least you rotate those guys. And so they're going to be on the field more than like a, a fifth corner is going to be. And so to me, finding that fourth edge rusher is important. And then, so I wonder too, at, at inside linebacker, how does the evaluation of Justin Sternod play into all this? Because he's a guy that they took uh, fifth round last year, I believe. They were excited about what he could do. Vic Fangio really talked highly about him. And then he never got on the field during the season because of an, a wrist injury. If they believe he can be a guy, then maybe you don't, maybe you don't need to, to take a linebacker here. Eric, do you think that what they do with that first round pick will sort of be an indicator in terms of what decision makers think about this year's unit? Like if they go out and get Micah Parsons, somebody like that, that might indicate that, hey, we feel like this team has a chance to compete, uh, at least in terms of making a playoffs for sure, but maybe even be more dangerous than that, because now you're talking about a guy who you're going to plug in and play right away and expect big things out of immediately. Or if they go out and get like a, an edge rusher or a, a depth piece that's more long-term, maybe that's an indicator that, hey, we feel like this team's pretty good, but we overall want to raise the just overall talent of the whole roster. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good question, and I think I can understand why people would read into it one way or another, but I, I just don't necessarily buy that. I think you've got to take the best player at one of those positions regardless. Like, hmm. the best player available thing is a little bit misleading because, like, the Broncos are not going to take Jamar Chase if he's there at nine, a wide receiver from LSU. They're just not going to do it. I mean, so I would – I'll do that. You can do this podcast by yourself, and I'll just go – off into the wilderness if they do, but I, the best player available within reason. But, you know, if that's Panay Sewell and you decide, hey, we can't afford to pass up a right tackle, even if Jawan James, you know, might still be in the cards, or we can't afford to pass up Patrick Sertan, even though we've got a really good starting secondary, or we can't afford, uh, you know, like you mentioned, to, to pass up a good edge rusher that we think has greater value than somebody else at that position. To me, that doesn't indicate one way or another what they think about this year's unit because um, with injuries, you never know if they might have to play anyway. But I think if you start trying to only fill – like if you say this – is, this is just hypothetical, Phil, but say you have Panay Sewell as the fifth best player on your board and you have Micah Parsons as the tenth best player on your board and you view them both as needs but you view inside linebacker as a more immediate need and you choose Micah Parsons over Panay Sewell there with the ninth pick, passing up on a guy that you believe is a better football player, everything we always hear scouts say, Phil, is that that's what gets you in trouble. When you pass up 
a better football player, especially a significantly or substantially better football player for a guy that fills a need right now or that you think you need right now to take that next step. You've got to have elite, really good football players on your team. And, and so to me, it doesn't matter if it's this year, if it's next year or whatever, you've got to go that direction and not worry about like, hey, we're going to – because, Phil, to me, even if you had Micah Parsons, there's, there's so many or, – or whoever it is, there's so many other factors that are going to determine if you make the playoffs, that are going to determine uh, if you can challenge the Chiefs. I mean, what happens if that, that rookie gets hurt on the first play of training camp? What happens if your quarterback goes down? What happens if you – know, there's all sorts of what-ifs that in basketball maybe you can make that decision or, you know, uh, probably not in baseball, but in football you certainly can't because – it's so reliant on so many guys making an impact. And so I would be really nervous to, to try to take that sort of chance and do something like that. The one thing's for sure is the Broncos sitting at nine, uh, mocking what's going to happen in those first eight draft, eight draft picks is going to be really difficult. I think that you got an idea that the first four are going to be quarterbacks, but after that, it, it could really go in any direction. You got, a, you got teams that are sitting there that could really take things in, in any different direction. So mocking those picks and trying to understand where the Broncos, what their possibilities might be sitting at nine is going to be tough. And, and uh, in all likelihood, when they get to that pick, they're going to have a difficult decision to make because there's going to be some really talented players that are still available there that if they sit at nine, there's going to be a tough decision that's going to have to be made because if you take Parsons, for example, that defense, you're not talking about just a top five defense, but it could become, you know, the best defense in the NFL potentially, you know, if you draft somebody like that. Um, if you take uh, somebody like Sewell, if he somehow drops, then I think you're saying, okay, that offensive line is really going to be good, but we're not going to have the top overall offense or something like that. So, uh, I think that it, th there could be an indicator there, but maybe don't read too much into it because ultimately where the Broncos are right now, they just need good football players. So whatever that means, that's what they need. Yeah. And I, and I would strongly consider because of, I think there are several areas like maybe like I, I, I would rather have like Jameen Davis and Jeremiah Wosukoromoa and JC Horn or Greg Newsom than just one of Patrick Sertan or Micah Parsons. And so to me, if you're not, and I know Phil, we, we've gone back and forth on what's the value of getting an elite football player at nine versus a really good football player at 20, for example, um, and having an extra second round pick maybe. But to me, I, I just, I think if you're not going to get a quarterback at nine and you're not going to, you know, and that might involve trading up, but, if it's not going to be a quarterback in some generational talent, like there are, there is talk that Panay Sewell just might be a really, really good tackle that is one of the best in several years. If you think that's his evaluation, then get him. But if it's a guy that, you know, like Micah Parsons has been projected anywhere falling to like 15 to 16 to 17. Mm -hmm. If you're just not sure about a guy, I would, I would move back if it's not a quarterback there get an extra pick, add a couple more really good reserve players that can that can be there and become starters. Uh, and I just think where this team is at, you need more depth. Um, and so I, I, I wouldn't, it's not that I would be disappointed if they stay at nine and took a guy like Patrick Sertan, because I think he's really talented. But I, I just think that maybe there's a way to add 
several talented guys on the same night. And, and uh, I'd be really excited about that option. I do think that when you're sitting at nine, you're hoping that you're going to take a cornerstone piece. You know, you're hoping that you're taking a guy who's going to be a lifetime Bronco, who's going to be uh, part of this building block here that the Broncos have with guys like Cortland Sutton, uh, Bradley Chubb, Justin Simmons. You're hoping that you're getting a player like that where this is the base of your team for years to come. So if you do think that like Sertan is that, and you think that he's going to be a lockdown corner for, you know, the next 15 years, then I got, I don't have a problem if you take him at nine, if you think that's what he is. Now, if you think he's just like a solid starter there, then maybe you start trying to look back and try and find a trade partner. But if you think he's going to be like a legit, if you think Sewell's going to be like an all pro type talent for many, many years, take him. You yeah. need, you need people like that. So yeah. Eric, enough football talk here. Let's talk about something a little bit fun. We've seen Aaron Rodgers guest host jeopardy this week. And I think he's doing it next week as well. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and all that hair. I mean, if you think my hair looks bad, Aaron Rodgers has got a mop on top of, on top there. And it looks pretty greasy. I'll say that. It I thought looks he looked pretty very, greasy. I thought he looked very professional. I thought he looked nice. He did look professional because he had the suit and everything like that. But the See, hair was a, that's a bold look, if you ask me. Uh, I think on Shailene Woodley's Instagram story, Phil, she yeah. showed off the uh, little ponytail he had on top of his head. They call that a man bun, I think, Yeah, Eric? she she seemed to like it. So, Oh, you did she, think she did? She said she liked it. She said she thought he was very handsome with the man bun. Um, I think if you're dating Shailene Woodley, you're probably doing okay. So I'll, I'll defer to Aaron Rodgers on the, uh, the uh, style. Hey, I like it. You know, like, uh, I yeah. think that uh, you could tell you, that I'm, I'm a fan of that kind of a look. It's just yeah. that uh, now, it's a little different maybe, than Alex Trebek. I'll say that. That's true. But maybe maybe Shailene has a type. Maybe she would really like your hair and say it's even better than Aaron Rodgers's. We'll have to, to check that out. I don't have her immediate. I think I have her email, but not her uh, cell. So I'll just have to might take a little bit to reach out. Shailene, if you're listening uh, and you have an opinion on Phil's hair, you can dial 707 neutral and leave a voicemail or you can leave an email at neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. Yeah. I mean, you just never know why, what she sees in Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it could be just, just <laughs> yeah. the hair. It could be the yeah. fact that like, he's a, like a charming personality. He's funny. Maybe, um, maybe certainly he's not the, uh, certainly not the rings. He's only got one of those. So yeah, that, exactly. And he spends half the year in green Bay which is tough exactly. if you're if you're like a Hollywood star, you know. And he got a he got killed very early in Game of Thrones. Like he made it like <laughs> all of a couple seconds before. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I hear anyway. I would have to watch that show of course because yeah. I I'm working, but um, <laughs> um, I've heard people love it. But I did I have heard really good <laughs> reviews about how he has uh, just really taken on this role. He he thinks that he might even be in the running for a permanent replacement uh, there, Eric, uh, as the host of Jeopardy. I know he loves Jeopardy. He takes it seriously. Like this isn't just like some thing that he's just like going through the motions with. He's practiced. He said that he studied and got better by watching Jeopardy and having it on mute 
and like going through an episode on his own. So he's done some homework here. He's got him ready and he's really delivered here. But it, it made me wonder, Eric, who do you think on this Broncos team would be a, a good host? Well, I mean, there's certainly, I'm going to cheat a little bit here, Phil. There's certainly some very good former players that I this think. This is a classic Delilah technique. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to get the good ideas out first. Um, like obviously Pete Manning would be incredible at it and probably should just be doing it anyway. And I also he's think he's a little a, busy. Well, he's a little busy. True. Yeah. I think a keep to would be very, very funny as a Jeopardy I'm host. talking about current guys, Eric. Okay. I'll, um, I think Kareem Jackson would be very good at it. Okay. Do you think that you have to have a little bit of clout in terms of like, you kind of almost have to be like a, a quarterback or like an, like a star, like Von Miller, in order to even have that opportunity. So I'm choosing between Drew Locke and Brett Rippon. Is that what you're we, telling me? I mean, we could dismiss that uh, and just say, just based off of abilities, who would be good. Let, let's do it that way. So Kareem Jackson, obviously, host of KJAC TV. He's got the personality to do it. I think you need to, you need to be able to have, like you need to be quick-witted and like have the ability to like make a quick back at these people. Um, Kareem has a very good... I think ability to go back and forth to kind of pick up on what you're saying and, and make a joke in real time. Um, he does a nice job reading the questions on KJAC TV and has some entertaining ones. I think he'd be very good at what, you know, when Alex Trebek would say, so you, uh, you flew in a hot air balloon around the world when you were 16 years old with your pet rabbit. Tell me about that. Like, I think Kareem would be very good at that element of the show. He would bring the, the personality. Uh, I yeah. do think that people underestimate how difficult of a position it is. I mean, you're in charge up there and you've got to know exactly what all the possibilities are. You got to know what's coming up next. You got to know what direction you're going in. You got to know all the different possibilities that could happen every time you read an answer. And then on top of that, you have to be really smooth at your delivery. You got to be able to read the answer effectively so that they can answer you know, uh, I think that, I think people underestimate how difficult of a job that is. And I think that really speaks to Alex Trebek's ability. I mean, he was tremendous at that. He made it look very easy, but it was it was quite difficult. I was going to say maybe like a Cortland Sutton uh, could, mm. could get to that could, could get to that level. Interesting. Cortland yeah. Sutton is a good choice. He has the I feel like you want a tall Jeopardy host and he's got the height. Yes. And he's like, uh, he's got a little like charm to him. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. where you kind of have to have a charming personality. That's true. Just, um, I thought you were going to say Justin Simmons. Justin just Simmons could be good too. He, uh, especially in recent years, has really developed this. Uh, he's, you know, he's the, the good guy award winner every year. He's very good at the microphone. Um, he, he would be a guy that I would consider as well. Now, uh, he does have broadcast aspirations, or at least he did when he first came into the NFL. Um, I do remember, Eric, that when he first came into the building, I interviewed him, and I knew that he wanted to get into broadcasting at some point. I kind of put him on the spot. I said, hey, why don't you close the interview? Why don't you say something to wrap this thing up? And uh, I could tell some there was some hesitation there, you know, mm. so... Uh, I'm sure he's grown a lot in the last five years, but uh, um, that did exist. So we'll see. We'll see. He he does have uh, um, that confidence in that, you know, he is a, he's got the stardom now, you know, he's a pro bowler, you know, he's, 
he's got that uh, that stardom too. So that all factors into it, Aaron. That's right. You know, another guy that I think would want to be mentioned in this conversation, Phil, and um, probably because he doesn't have to practice all that much, would have time to get ready. Brandon, Brandon McManus. Yeah. He, um, he's kickers. They, they've got funny personalities. I think he would do a, maybe he's like the occasional fill-in host or something. You think he'd wear that like ski suit that he likes to wear yeah, often? Uh, exactly. Maybe he could wear that. Yeah. Maybe Brandon, Brandon's maybe more of a wheel of fortune guy. Yes. He'd like to yeah. buy a vowel. Like he, he'd sell vows all day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. Um, anybody that you think would be the absolute worst host? Um, okay, so you started putting me on the spot, huh? Yeah. Um, I mean, Kyle Fuller, like, didn't necessarily give a lot of uh, a lengthy answers. Maybe uh, doesn't really like a camera in his face. I uh, got that sense uh, early on. And I also think, like, maybe Jerry Judy also gives pretty short answers. That's the sort of the um, – doesn't seem like they enjoyed that aspect of being an NFL player as much as some other players do. Yeah. Obviously, uh, yeah, who would you think, Eric? Give me some additional names besides those two, if you will. <laughs> no, I think we're uh, I think we're ready to move on to our next topic. I think I wouldn't do a very good job. I'll say that. Okay, got it, got it. Um, I do think that's, that's, a, that's a classic gotcha situation. You should have uh, <laughs> a real Jeopardy host would never fall into that situation. <laughs> yeah, they would have they would have turned the conversation immediately. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, Peyton would be good. Obviously, he's uh, so uh, polished and has done a lot of media work. So he would obviously be a perfect. Uh, Akeem Talib obviously got into the media a little bit last year. Hopefully, he calls some more games uh, this upcoming season because yes. he is always very entertaining. Yes, Demarcus Ware would be an interesting, uh, an interesting host. I think that he would. He would uh, play the part well. I'm just not sure how, how well he'd be able to handle like a lot of moving parts all at one time. You know, mm. like he, he he's really good at uh, uh, go sack the quarterback. You know, that's what he's good at. Marcus is a, a smart guy. He could handle it. He's, he's he'd, have a, yeah. he'd have a metaphor for every episode. He he's very um, posh. Like he he would definitely look the part. You know. Yes. So. He would not have the greasy, slick back hair like Aaron no. Rodgers, though. You'd be missing out on that. On that. So, Eric, uh, time for shout-outs. Uh, anybody that you want to highlight this week uh, here? Hmm. Liz Manis could be good. Of course. Yeah. Uh, uh, in person. Yeah, that's true. Man? Not sure. Uh, she had a correction, I think, from our last episode. That's what I was going to say. A, a, a brief correction here from last week. We mentioned that um, – Derek Tuska and some other players went to the Boys and Girls Club. Turns out that was a food bank of the Rockies, not the Boys and Girls Club. Right, which was really just a test. We were seeing if Liz was paying attention to the yes. podcast, to the, to the shout-out section. And she was. Uh, yeah, which we shouldn't have doubted. I would say that Liz Manis is probably our most loyal listener. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Sometimes I do think that she just skips ahead straight to this to this section, though. She, missing but she would never do that. Really good, missing out on a lot of really good content. If you she do would that. never do that. She would never do that. 
Uh, Eric, also a shout out to Behind the Broncos, episode number two Ooh. coming out Friday night at 5 p.m. Mountain Time on YouTube. Make sure you check that out. A lot of really good behind the scenes content here. The kind of stuff that we've never really captured before, Eric. We're talking about mm. going on the road with uh, George Payton and some of the other scouts, um, going to some of these pro days with them and really capturing what that lifestyle is like. We also uh, got a peek behind the curtain at the free agency process, Eric. Uh, so some very, very cool um, content there coming out Friday, 5 p.m., right here on this YouTube channel, if that's where you're watching. Wow, I can't wait. I set my alarm. Eric, you know what would be nice is like maybe at uh, like four o'clock, you watched the entire neutral zone. And then that's like a nice little uh, way to just settle in. Up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And get ready for this yeah. episode. So that's, that sounds smart to me. What's the name of the show, Eric? Behind the Broncos, No Shortcuts, episode two. And, and then there's nothing else to that. Nope, that's like, it. Got it. Because I think the first one was like the George Payton era is underway. Oh, I don't addition. know. I yeah, I'm not so. a, you're a little bit more privy to the behind the Broncos, no shortcuts episode two production process. So you may know more than I do. Yeah. But that was impressive that you got that much out. Yeah. Well, that's what's open to the public. And that's what I know. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, we'll have to uh, uh, tune in to find out uh, what the full title is. Five o'clock, five o'clock, Friday, this Friday, on the Broncos official YouTube page. So make sure you to check that out. Uh, Eric, anything else you wanna you wanna mention here? No, I don't think so. It's been a, a pleasure as always, Phil. I appreciate you. Thank you. The commenters are getting to you, aren't they? Yeah, they are a little bit. Thank you for being nice to me. It's a good change of pace. You're welcome. And and if I'm being honest, I thought your voice was really good today. Yeah, no cracks at all, I didn't think. So um, that guy can, you know what he can do. At first, I thought that it was uh, James Earl Jones who I was doing the podcast Oh, with. yeah. You know? No, yeah. Yeah. True. That's what that's what I thought. That's sort of a, a voice icon, Eric, if you talk mm. about, okay, whose voice is, you know, uh, Sam Elliott, another, you know, tremendous voice. These are people who... These are my idols, Eric. That's true. <laughs> Eric, if uh, people want to get a part and be a part of the neutral zone in a, a future episode, you can do so. 707 neutral, leave a voicemail and uh, a call to action this week. Let us know who the Broncos should take in the first round. Leave a voicemail. Let us know. And we'll play it on next week's episode of the neutral zone. Uh, how else can people get in involved there? Oh, uh, well, you could email at the neutral zone show at gmail.com. You can always record yourself and attach it. It seems a little bit simpler to just record a voicemail, but you do what you want to do. Um, you have any questions? Do you have any draft thoughts? I saw somebody on the YouTube page, Phil, said, who are some late round sleepers? Maybe we'll get to that question as we get closer to the draft. So send us your questions. We'll, uh, we'll answer them right here on the show. Or you can just get us directly at Broncos Podcasts or – at Eric Delala, at Phil Milani. Lots of options. Yes, there are a lot of options. Sometimes people aren't comfortable with the pressure of the beep. You know, you're, you're getting ready to leave a voicemail, beep, it, then it's like oh, go no. time. Yeah. It's go time, you know, yeah. so. It's really fall apart. Yeah, so 
if you if you don't feel comfortable that way, there's other ways to uh, uh, get involved. Leave a comment if you're watching here on YouTube and smash that subscribe too. So we'll be back with plenty more draft coverage coming up next week. But until then, for Eric Dalala, I am Phil Milani. You've been listening to uh, the new Zone. Uh,